Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 1 this morning. And in Matthew chapter 1 is going to be our anchor foundation text for the next several weeks as we head into the Christmas season. How many are like me and you love this time of year? I want to remind you as your pastor that it's not about trees and it's not about lights. It's about Jesus Christ, the light of the world who came to save us. And the scripture we're going to look at in Matthew 1 and then we're going to jump over to Matthew 11 this morning to be able to deliver the word of the Lord that's on my heart. And uh, so Matthew 1 first for our anchor text, and then I'm going to jump off into a story of John the Baptist in Matthew 11. So if you're quick, you'll be able to turn over a few pages and head to Matthew 11. If you're in Matthew 1, say amen. amen. Matthew 1, verse 21. I still hear pages turning, so I'm going to pause for a moment. Maybe you guys need to go to Wednesday Night Bible Club. I'm joking. I'm joking. Maybe not. Matthew 1 verse 21. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Verse 23. Behold the virgin virgin shall be with child. And bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which is translated God with us. Look at your neighbor and tell him God is with us. Why did God need and desire to be with us? I think for one simple yet very profound reason is we didn't understand who he was. You see a pattern in the Old Testament where God would deal with his people. He would convict his people. He would try, he would tell them, I love them. I want you to be in relationship with me and punish. And and really it's almost like as you read the Bible and you step into this verse here, where for four, over 400 years until this verse was given, and this of course is the announcement that there would be a Messiah, there would be a savior in there. If you don't notice or read it real slowly and look clearly, he's saying that he will save his people from their sins and they will say, God is with us. So the world is looking for a people who know who their Lord is, who their Savior is, and they want to know, is God with those people? Amen? God said, I will go and be with them, because how many know and understand, to get really get to know someone or to declare who you are, you've got to spend time with them, right? I've mentioned this story before, but... For years, my wife and I were missionaries, and we uh, received a call and decided to go to Ecuador and run an orphanage uh, so a family could furlough back to Canada. And uh, 32 kids, and Leah and I didn't have kids at this time. She was about six months pregnant with our uh, firstborn Hudson. And uh, we went down there, and it would have been easy for us to say, we love that orphanage in Ecuador. We, We love them. We knew the people, supported But there's something different about us showing up at the door and serving, loving, and taking care of. Amen? So these next few weeks, we're going to look at the very principle and the very thing of God with us. And today we're going to talk specifically about a story in the Bible in Matthew 11. So if you'll go ahead and turn there. In Matthew 11 is where I'm going to kind of have a jumping off point this morning of God with us. And what does it look like when we don't understand what God is doing, even though he's told us in his word that he is with us? Humanity, 2,000 years ago, 
was in a very dark place. When Jesus came on the scene, it's important to understand during this Christmas season, if you don't perhaps know or understand this, so important to understand, Jesus came into a very dark time. Like I mentioned, for 400 years, there was silence from God. There wasn't a word from God. There was nobody speaking the oracles of God and letting them know what God was up to. And I found this to be true in my life, is when God's silent, I tend to maybe make some things up, right? Yes. And that's what they were doing. For all those years, what they were doing is, well, God's silent, and we're just going to make up more rules, <laughs> Right? When God's silent, we're just gonna, we're just gonna add a bunch of things to the people. So when Jesus comes on the scene and the power of saying God, Emmanuel, God with us, the power that you may miss is to understand he was coming into a culture, a people, and a place that were very broken, very beaten down. They were oppressed by the Roman rulers. It was a very hard and difficult time in the nation of Israel because they had been thinking God has not been with us because things have gotten darker, things have gotten more difficult, and things aren't going very well. And that's why we, as we talk about God being with us in our lives. Amen? Amen. If you're in Matthew 11, let's look down here in our message this morning. And in Matthew 11, it picks up the story of a man named John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, at this point in the story, as we get into this, he's been put in prison. And John asked two of his disciples, two staff members, two people who were friends with and disciples that had walked with him and had been taught by him and spent time at the river while he's preaching and all these people are coming and people are getting baptized there in the river. And he comes to them and he begins to tell them, In Matthew 11, verse 6, he says this, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. And I want to share a message today around this thought. I want to share a message today around this thought. Listen for just a second. That's not the answer I was looking for. That's not the answer I was looking for. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your presence here. God, We're so grateful for everything you've already done in this service from the lifting up of your name and the encouraging of hearts to the baptism or the dedication of Bristol, Lord, to every area that you've already blessed us. But, Father, now that we go into your word, we stop for a moment and just honor your word because you are the word made flesh and you gave us your holy word to instruct and to guide and correct and to encourage. So, Father, I pray as always that anything said of me would fall by the wayside. But whatever said under the unction of the Holy Spirit would go into the hearts of these precious people today and cause fruit to grow and fruit to remain. Lord, we love you and we give you all the glory in this moment. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let me ask you a question. Has anyone else found it's really easy to testify that God is with us when everything's going good? (laughs) Isn't it easy when you have those mountaintop spiritual experiences or you have those times when you look at your life and you just say, man, God, this season that I'm in, it's good. It may be in your job. You've gotten three promotions this year or your your children may be doing well or this may be going on in your life. And it's really easy in those seasons that we can look and we can just declare God is with me and God is good and God is is awesome. John the Baptist, as we are going to study him a little bit today to give you a little bit of just backstory on who he was and what he came to do and to understand a little bit more about him. And the word tells us very clearly to rightly divide the word of truth. Amen. 
to rightly divide the word of truth, some people would say, well, you divide it between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's nothing wrong with that. But I really think, and as we pick up the story here in, in the scripture of understanding uh, simply this, that there, everything before, everybody say the cross. The cross. Everything before the cross points to it, and everything after the cross points back to it. Amen? So John comes on the scene, and it's important to understand when John comes on as a forerunner to the ministry of Jesus, it's pre-cross. Jesus' ministry hasn't actually even started. And John comes on the scene, and he shows up in a very unique way. The unique way that he shows up, as the Bible describes, that he wore a clothing of camel hair with a leather belt, probably perhaps a long beard, and he ate honey and locust. That's, that's pretty wild, y'all. I mean, that's, that's, in other words, that's not the kind of person that you would want and naturally say, hey, let's go out into the wilderness and listen to this person dressed like that, looks like that. Brother Corey shared this last week, and I just want to say this little side note right here. Don't judge a book by its cover. Sometimes God will put something kind of offensive in our path so that we'll look past what we think something should be like so we can hear the truth of what God's saying. And what John the Baptist comes on the scene saying is, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And to understand the story that we're going to get into today, where when when he sees Jesus show up and come on the scene, they have already been, remember what we just read, it has been prophesied that God would be with them. So John the Baptist is somebody who spent time in the wilderness. He's, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes out of the wilderness and he sets up camp, not in a town square or in a big city, but in the wilderness on the periphery of where everybody was. But you have to kind of think about this for a minute and understand that as he sets up there, they were coming to baptize. And in those days, it wasn't like he immersed them. It was something that they thought, I am not right with God. I have sin in my life. Sin is going to keep me separated from God. So I need to repent. Everybody say repent. Repent. So he is out there preaching and teaching the word of God. And either he was a wonderful communicator and orator because all these people are coming from all around hundreds, probably even thousands. And when they came down to the water to be baptized, it's important that our baptism is different than their baptism because, again, this is rightly dividing the word of truth. This is before the cross. And when they would come down, they would immerse themselves in the water because they would be saying, God, I want you to wash me of my sin. I want this to be washed away and I want to be in proper relationship with you. The reason it's different for us as believers is baptism doesn't save you. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. It is, it is you coming and saying, I want to celebrate what God has already done in my life and in my heart. The reason I'm pointing out this distinction this morning is when, when, when he comes on the scene, it's really easy for us to say God is with us. When you are at the river, and perhaps he may even been standing in the river, and all these people are coming, and, and in other words, it's, things are good, things are great, things are, things are going well. There's people coming, and they're getting baptized, and they're getting changed, and, and all these things are going on in John the Baptist's life. And church, it's really easy to look at your circumstances around you in any given moment. And if there happen to be the type of circumstances that we would say, man, everything's going so good, so well. 
Look, John, John had to be kind of thinking to himself, man, look at all these people that have a hunger for God. Look at all these people that have a hunger for His Word. Look at all these people that want more of Him and to come and to hear Him preach and to get down in the river. In, in church, it's really simple and easy to believe that God is with you when everything is going well. Amen? And he was such an interesting character, the way he dressed. But getting results is fun, right? Now, those are fun times, aren't they? When you're getting results, and I know I can say this, when you're not getting results, it's discouraging. Isn't it? It's like you don't get the results as quick as you would like the results to come. It's why diets are not popular, church. Because you diet for a week and you say, well, it's not making any difference. Or even a business. You start a business and you fail to realize that sometimes things take time. And when you're getting the good results, God is with me. When you're not getting the results that you necessarily think should and could and would happen, then we begin to think something different. So John the Baptist here is people are baptizing themselves and he's preaching the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And and think about something for a moment. You would have had hundreds, maybe even thousands of people gathered. And Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus Jesus shows up on the scene. Mm -hmm. And they now, listen to me, they now have sight to what the Word of God promised in the Scripture in Matthew 1 that we just read, that he, she would give birth to a son and they would call his name Emmanuel, God with them. So you can now put your faith to sight. And the thing that John the Baptist did that is the best thing anybody in this room can ever do when Jesus shows up is to give him all the glory for everything that's going on. Because when Jesus shows up, John does the right thing. John says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It's, I must decrease and He must increase. Church, if you're in a place, even when things are going well, to remind yourself that it's still good God that is blessing you. Amen? It's still His power that's operating. It's still Him. And, and listen, even those who would have been cheering and saying, man, John's, he's saying, I want to point you to Jesus because He is God with us. He is the one that you're supposed to focus on. But John the Baptist is in a season of ministry where he's getting results, people are responding, things are going good. And he looks up and he says, okay, behold the Lamb of God. So now Jesus is with us. God's promise is being fulfilled before your very eyes. And John announces what had been foretold. Behold, the Lamb of God is with us. But I want to ask you a question this morning. How many have had that type of a moment where you're doing what God's called you to do, you're moving the direction God wants you to move, you're heading where God wants you to head, and it's a, I call it the river revival moment. Has anybody ever had a river revival moment? Yes. In other words, it's a mountaintop experience with the Lord. It's, it's those times when you do come into church. And some of you may have come into church today and you just say, man, I, I've tried to worship. I've tried to kind of put these things out of my mind. We're going to talk about that today. Of How when we end up in a place where God, we think, God, did I really mean to end up here? Did I really end up in the place that you wanted? It's those times that you, listen, it's those times that you know, that you know, that you know, that, hey, God is with my family. Look how blessed we are. Look at my job. I've gotten three raises this year. That business you started, it's all selling out and business is booming. 
And I know that God is with our church because it is growing. And come and celebrate God with us. And you're getting results. You're looking at your life and you're like, man, I, God is with us. Number one today is this. When everything is going right, we can tell anyone and everybody that God is with us. Amen? Amen. How many would say God's with you this morning? Amen. Amen? Well, let's think about something. Fast forward in John the Baptist's life. Fast forward just a little bit. And somebody with influence had turned on him. And it went all the way to the king's throne. There was a king in that day. And it went all the way to the king's throne. So John ends up in prison. Everybody say prison. Prison. At the river, behold the Lamb of God. God's promises are coming through. God is coming through for His people. God is showing up on the scene. You fast forward, and now all of a sudden, John the Baptist is in a prison. And I want to take just a moment and kind of give you a little bit of what prisons would have been like in that day. Because especially if you would have ended up in the king's prison, if you ended up in the king's prison, which he was, these were extra bad according to historical documents. It would have been dark. It would have been smelly. There would have been open sewage running all throughout the prison. There would have been people in there in cells and those people would have been in there for a length of time that they probably would have caught diseases and the open sores and the smell and the animals and the rats that were running around. He probably had to keep himself up at night in order to shoo away all the rats and all the things that were going on around him. And I'm sure word had spread at this point that John is in serious trouble because John was scheduled to be executed. And think about something for a minute. As you read these texts, Jesus doesn't show up. Jesus doesn't even send a messenger from the story checking to see if he's okay. So John is rotting away in probably the worst dungeon that you could possibly end up in. And he's trying to just barely hold on and keep things. And here's what I'm sure he felt like. Listen to me. This is what he had to have felt like. Alone. At the river, God is with us. In the prison, looking around at his conditions, looking around at what's going on, looking around at his circumstance that he found himself in, he had to have felt so alone. And I believe that something would have had to have started to turn on the inside of them. And I hope for some people here today, this witness witnesses with you. And he begins to struggle. And he perhaps begins to wrestle with something that he's never had to wrestle with before. Something in his heart begins to kind of turn and shift. And he gets two of his former disciples, two staff members, two people he's close to. And while this is turning around in his heart and in his life with the smells, the screams from torture probably going on, ending up in a place where he never intended to end up in, he he asked for a couple of his disciples to say this, ask Jesus a question for me. Now look back down here at Matthew 11 verse 3. Matthew 11 verse 3, New Living Translation, says it this way. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? Now look back this way. Wait a second. Wait a second. 
over here at the river, Jesus is God with us. There's no doubt about it. He is pointing to Him and saying, everybody needs to stop and recognize who has now come on the scene. It is the Messiah that you've prayed for. For over 400 years of silence, God has finally answered the ancient prayers of the people of Israel. And the Messiah, the one who God wanted to send for one express purpose, is I want my people to know who I am. But listen, in the prison, in the darkness... In the difficulty, in the hard situation that he found himself in, there had to have been a question evolving in John the Baptist's mind that would have made him stop and said, I need to get a message to Jesus. Are you the one or should we look for another? Church, have you ever gone from the mountain to the valley in record time? Have you ever gone to the, the, the river revival to a prison in record time? You see this theme a lot in the Bible. Valleys and mountains. You see the theme of, of prisons and victories. And my question is, have you ever went from the moment where you were getting results and everything was going your way and you just knew, man, God is with me, to the moment where it seems like absolutely nothing is going right? And that seems like it happens from zero to a hundred like that, doesn't it? And really in the life of John the Baptist, as you read through the entire story, it did seem very quick. Here he is, the Messiah's on the scene. And, and here's what I want to point out, and this is so important. You look at John's life and you may say, well, this happened because of that, because of that. John did exactly what all of us should do, and that's to continually point to Jesus Christ. Continually lift him up and say, if you follow him, you're going to be following salvation. If you follow him, you're going to be following truth. If you follow him, he says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. And you would have had people clapping. There would have been people out there in the community saying, man, you want to get blessed, go to John's church. If you want to move of God, go to John's church. If you want to hear what the Word of God says, you need to go on over there. And, there, and sure, there were critics. There were critics. But there were the people... That The clapping from the people would have been drowning all that out. And John did the right thing in the story. When Jesus shows up on the scene, whenever Jesus shows up, our role is to point people to who the real strength in your life is and who the real Savior in your life is. Because if you're relying on yourself for any of those things, it's something that is not going to work. So I want to point out that when you look at the situation, it's easy for us to see, and we all say the same thing. How and why did I go from the river and the mountaintop experience with recognizing the Son of God and seeing Him show up on the scene to now I'm in a dark prison with rats running around and open sewage I haven't eaten in a length of time, so I have a question for Jesus. Are you the one, or should we look for another? And there's a key phrase in those scriptures. It says, when. Everybody say, when. When When John saw Jesus. Church, it's not hard to celebrate God with us when you can see the good things that God has promised. Are you listening to me this morning? Listen, when he saw Jesus... 
There was a natural celebration. There was an awe. There was a reverence. There was Jesus is on the scene. And I came to tell you something this morning is when you can see what God has promised, it's not hard to praise Him for the answer because it's right in front of you. But when you find yourself in a difficult, dark, dangerous, horrible place, it's harder to recognize where God's moving in your life. But He's just as much God when He shows up on the riverbank as in when you're in a prison of, of somebody else's making. He's just as much God this morning in the dark seasons as He is in the light seasons. He's just as much God when other people are getting their blessing when you think you're not getting your blessing. Because He had to have thought, because here's what happens, church. In the story, here's what happens. He sends those messengers out. He says, I I need to have you ask Jesus a question. And it's a question naturally in a spiritual way, in a natural way. That when you are celebrating and it finally comes through and the business is doing good and the kids are doing good in school and all these good things are going on in your life, it's so natural and easy to say, man, God is with us. But watch what happens. He calls two of his disciples and he says, I need you to go ask the Lord a question. I need you to go present this question to him. And as he's looking here, And they come to Jesus. I want to make sure I get the right verse. It's in Matthew 11, verse 6. The question arrives at Jesus, or Matthew 11, verse 4, forgive me. There's two messengers. It's recorded in Matthew 11, 4. Jesus, Jesus, John's got a question. And look at what he says. And Jesus answered and said to them, I want you to go and tell John the things which you hear and you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. So the messengers come and that is the answer that they receive from Jesus is I want you to go back and I want you to tell John everything that you see and everything that you hear that these Deaf ears are being unstopped. The dead are being raised back to life. There are miracles going on right here in front of you and the messengers stepped back, and I'm sure they looked around, and they could see, remember they could see and hear everything that Jesus told them by way of an answer. And they take a look. They take that report back. They go back to the dark dungeon, back to the stench of sewage, back to the difficult place, back to the place where a question is turning around in John's heart in this moment. And here's the tough thing that I recognize from this scripture. This is tough. Because he sent a report back, church, he sent a report back of this right here. Of, put yourself in John's shoes for just a minute. That's great, but that doesn't answer my question. You guys see that? Yes. And it wasn't like John wasn't like, man, that's not great. Have you ever been in a place? Come on, be honest with me this morning. Have you ever been in a place where it feels like you're in a dungeon spiritually and you look around and it's like, man, it's great. It, it's great that, that that family just got a, a financial breakthrough, but God, it doesn't answer my question. God, it's great that that family, their kids got delivered and all that's going on, but that doesn't answer my question. God, it's great that that this is going on over here, but it doesn't answer the question that I have. And it's not selfish. 
He wasn't saying, I'm not going to celebrate what is going on. And we say that, man, it's great that their marriage is fixed, but Lord, it doesn't help my problem. It's great that they got the financial breakthrough, but it doesn't fix my problem. That's great that God moved and prevented something bad from happening, but it doesn't fix my problem. Here's my question again this morning. Have you ever sat in the dark closet? The one that, like John, was perhaps looking out a small window, out into the world, out into light, out into what the blessing was. And here's what the enemy does. Listen to me for just a minute. Here's what the enemy does. He's behind you, lying, and he's shaking those chains behind you, isn't he? Because he sent, uh, uh, he sent messengers to ask Jesus, Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? But doesn't say in there that John got off the executioner's list. Amen? Have you ever been there? Church, listen to me for just a minute. Have you ever been there? You go from the mountaintop, you go from the celebration, God is with me, to it looking like in a natural sense that God has left you. But we have the Word of God this morning. Come on, somebody. We have the Word of God this morning that says... When you can't see what God is doing, you can trust what the Word of God has already told you. And what the Word of God has already told you is that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. That our God is for us and not against us. That His ways are higher than your ways and His thoughts higher than your thoughts. That God still holds a pen in His hand and He is not finished even though it looked like maybe a prison that you're never going to get out of. But sometimes the answer that comes back, we can't figure out because it wasn't the answer we were looking for. I'm assuming that John wanted to get a report back from his messengers. Jesus wanted us to tell you of all the wonderful ministry going on, that the extension of you as the forerunner of of himself and his ministry, and and probably wanted him to go back and say, by the way, we're going to bust you out of here. And by the way, we're going to storm the king's dungeon, and we're going to pull you right. Have you ever just wanted God to pull you out of a situation? Oh my goodness. And you haven't walked with him very long if you've never felt that way. Listen to what he says to him. He doesn't stop with just that report. Go back and tell him that the lame walk. Go back and tell him that blinded eyes are open. Go back and tell him that the poor have the gospel preached to him. And he goes on to, and he says this, and blessed is he who is not offended at me. That right there, church, is the absolute key that when you go from a mountaintop to a valley or you go from a river revival where you can kick your legs up and just shout to the top of this roof and tear it off of this place when God is coming through and you see God with you, my question this morning is when you can't see Him with you, Do you get offended? Do you realize that offense is the number one weapon of the enemy against the people of God? Why is it the number one enemy against the people of God? Because the Bible is very clear that if you harbor offense and unforgiveness in your heart, then you have lost your prayer power in your life. And there is nothing more important for the people of God in this season and the seasons that are ahead of us than to be people of genuine, heartfelt prayer in and through and with God. And he, his report is, blessed, her, blessed is him who is not offended at me. 
What does that tell me? It tells me that the enemy would love to offend you continually about where you thought God didn't answer the way you thought he should answer. Are you tracking with me? Yes. Blessed is he who is not offended. Because here's the reality of the response. Because he said, what he's saying, he says, John, when you hear that the lame walk and the deaf hear and blinded eyes are open, the dead are raised, when you hear this report, you're going to have one of two choices. Everybody say, I have a choice. And it's the same choice that all of us are faced when we don't understand the ways of God. He says, John, you can either choose to be blessed or you can choose to be offended. And church, that is what is called a conditional choice in the Bible. That when you get the answer back, you're either going to choose to be blessed or you're going to choose to be offended. And it's conditional. He's saying, will you choose not to be offended so you can be blessed? Do you understand choosing not to be offended at something is going to open up God's blessings in your life? Because you're no longer giving the keys to your dungeon over to the enemy. A lot of you may be in a dark place, but I came to tell you something this morning from the Word of God. Is that you hold the key to your release. It may not change in that moment, and it doesn't matter if the situation changes. When you choose to be forgiving and not be offended, then there is nothing that could hold a person of God like that back. Amen? I mean, the enemy never fails. There's that one person that always steals your seat in church. Amen? Might be your parking spot. That's where I park. Old brother so-and-so fussed at my kids again this morning because they were being a little too talkative in the worship service. Come on. The enemy always wants to keep you offended. Because again, if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, the Bible tells us our prayers won't be heard. I think the Lord would say the same thing to us that he would say to John the Baptist. There is a blessing that awaits you if you will choose to not be offended by what you don't understand. There is, that's what he was telling John the Baptist. Maybe that's the reason that God tells us, don't lean on your own understanding. Amen? But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways and He will direct your paths. God's ways are not our ways. God's ways at times are mysterious. God oftentimes won't give you a direct answer, but He will give you keys in order to keep your heart in the right place. You see, the same God that was God present with Him at the river is the same God that's still present with him in the dungeon, but he allowed his heart to begin to question, and he allowed his heart to begin to wonder, God, are you really the one I'm looking for? Are you really, God, I need an answer over here, and I'm watching everybody else get blessed, and I'm watching everybody else get the breakthrough, and God, I've cried out for this, and I've cried out for that, and I'm watching it happen, and and don't, don't get it twisted this morning. He would have celebrated what the report was, but it didn't answer his question, and it didn't solve his problem. Listen, I'm trying to help somebody in here this morning. Even when you're in that place in the river and the revival's going on and and you can declare definitively, God is with me. 
But a lot of times our answer doesn't come in the way that we thought it would be packaged. Amen? It may not come packaged in the way you thought it would come. In fact, it may not even look like it's headed your way at all. But John, everybody say, but John. John. And this is important. Because when he sends the messengers, he tells them to go back and report to John, who Jesus loved. He was related. It was his cousin. Would have had a deep love and, and care and concern about what was going on in his life. But this is such a beautiful thought. Think about this for a moment. The messengers come. He gives the report. He tells them to take the report back and he says, tell John to be careful. And this is the warning for everybody in this house this morning. Tell John to be careful not to get offended at my answer. In other words, tell John that he needs to celebrate that everything that he cried out for and everything that he preached and everything that he was pointing towards has come on the scene and God's kingdom is being made manifest with the poor, the lowly, those who had a heavy yoke upon their heart and upon their shoulders and the burden of the law, the burden of everything. I have come to be with my people. And the beauty of this story is, listen to me, is that when he says, tell him not to be offended, he then turns around and addresses the people that are there and he begins to brag upon John to the people that were present. I want everybody here to know there has not been one born of woman greater than John. Here's my question for you this morning. I want you to think really hard about this. If God's not talking to you, what's he saying about you? This is all throughout the Bible, church. Look at Job for a minute. He didn't he wasn't able to see behind the curtain. He wasn't able to see behind the scenes. He wasn't able to see necessarily what was going on. But I want to tell you this that when I have a choice between being blessed and being offended, I'm going to choose to be forgiving and begin to put my trust in God and say to God, I want you to be saying about me, how about my son Jason? How about my son Rich? Even though he may not be going through the time where he's shouting and everything looks like God's with him, even those seasons when it looks Look like maybe God wasn't. I was still with him, even though it didn't look like he was. I want God, even though he may not be speaking to me, I want God to be talking about me. And what is it that I want God to be talking about me? I don't want God to be talking about, yeah, somebody needs to go help Jason because he's so far down in the dungeon, in the dumps, in the darkness. We got to send some angels down there to minister to him. I want him talking about me that, hey, Even though things are hard, he's got his head up. And you may be in your mind, because you know the Bible well, going through the rest of the story in your mind. And you're like, wait a second. He had to lay his head down on a cold executioner's block. And listen to me. Listen to me. Even though God's ways are not our ways and the things of God are mysterious and we don't understand things at times. Can I tell you, we are so focused in on confined by time that we think just because God didn't answer in the way that we thought in that moment. Can I tell you something? And the Bible's very clear about this with John the Baptist. When that sword was coming down, listen, there were ten thousands upon ten thousands of angels. You say, how can you confidently say that? When Stephen was being stoned, the heavens opened and he saw the Lord. You hear me? 
The reason I can confidently say you can walk through life with an understanding that God is with me is because it's not about circumstances. It's about faith in His Word. It's about faith in His character. It's about faith in who He declared He would be. And no matter if the, if the sword is coming down on your neck, as soon as that happened, the, the pearly gates opened and John was a welcome guest into eternity because God is in control and the devil can't win if you continue in faith even though it's dark, it's smelly, and the dungeon is bad, I want God to be in heaven saying, it doesn't matter what you throw, Jason, he's still going to be standing at the end of the day. Come on, somebody. And that's what I want the Word of God to be saying. Because we worry about people's opinions. We worry about others. We worry about all these different things. And can I tell you, the only one that I'm out to please is Jesus Christ in heaven. And that should be your goal, too. And John was confused. John had a bit of a something working on in his life in that moment. And I've had those I've had those river moments. Those river moments where I'm like, man, God is with me. And then I step into a hard season. Amen. Oh, yeah. Well where I don't understand what God is doing and where he is taking me. Have you ever found in life there's just some things you didn't ask for? <laughs> there's some things you just that's what John was feeling. I, I thought we'd be, I thought we'd kind of go off and you'd send me to this area of Israel and now you'd go to that area and we'd be a team and we're related. And I've humbled myself. You're the son of God. I've been your forerunner. But what you'll find with God, this is what you'll find with God. When you submit your life to him, just like I asked you to do in worship this morning, of just surrender, of just surrendering to him. Just, just to surrender. What you'll find with God, and this is where we're going the next several weeks during Christmas, is God is with you. I would even say, in a way, God's even more with you in the dungeon than He was at the river. Here's why. God knows that we're human. God knows that we're flawed. God knows that we have the tendency to get fearful and we have the tendency to get scared and we have the tendency to draw back and say, God, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Would you look at somebody right now and just tell them, don't be offended by what you don't understand. Because I came to tell somebody in the dungeon of discouragement, he's the same God that you introduced people to when you were in the river of blessing. <laughs> He's the same God. Everybody say, same God. God has not, cannot, will not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there are a million different ways he could have introduced himself as Messiah and the one who came to save his people from their sins, which that's us. Amen. Thank God for a Savior. But you got to make him Lord. There's a million ways he could have introduced himself. I think I would have introduced myself as king from heaven who has come to set up power and just destroy all the evildoers. Amen? I'm the king from heaven who... You notice the Christmas story is so beautiful in the way that Jesus came. So humbly, meek, and lowly. He came for the forgotten. He came for those who have a heavy weight upon their shoulders. And I want to tell you something this morning. No matter what you're... You may be in a river revival season. You may be in that season where it's just... 
God is so good and everything is going so well. You may be in that season. Can I tell you, celebrate that. We celebrate that with you. I love hearing reports. I've heard so many over the last few months people come and, man, I got, Pastor, I just want to share with you, I got this breakthrough. I was telling you a little, about, a little bit about Lapita's story. She came just the other day and it just so encouraged my heart. God's healing you. God is moving and you celebrate that. But I equally know in this size of a crowd this morning, there are some of you that find yourself in a place where your heart, even though you know from the word of God that God is with you, you can begin to become like John and be like, okay, God, if you're with me, I'd like for it to look like it. Can we, can we match up my reality with your truth? And that's the big question of when God doesn't answer when and how we think and want Him to answer. The Christmas season, as we're heading into it, is a time and season called Advent. And Advent should stir something up in us during this time leading up to Christmas Day. Of It just simply means the waiting. The period of waiting. The period of, of trusting. The period of, of, of surrender to God. To God, I don't... Your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. One thing you'll learn about God is He can be God all by Himself. He can and He will. Don't turn there, but Matthew 28, 18-20. Then Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Lupita, if you'd come. And surely I'm with, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And listen, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Church, He is with you now. He is here at your side. He's telling us He's with us. When things are falling apart... When there's more month than there is money in the bank, come on somebody. If you ain't been there. When it's just not going like you thought it should go. When things aren't just adding up, would you stand with me this morning? Because I came to encourage your hearts with this. This is not the time to be tired and defeated. It is a time to refocus yourself on the promise as we delve into this these next few weeks during Christmas time. As we press into this and begin to go even deeper next Sunday with the word I've already been given by the Lord. But today I wanted to point out this story of John the Baptist. Who had an experience like many or all of us have and will experience at some time in our life where, again, you're at the river revival. And just a short time later, it seems like of no fault of his own. All John was doing was speaking truth to power. It's probably the time the church spoke truth to power again. Amen? Amen. Got himself into trouble. And he had a simple question. Did I get it it wrong? Have you ever gotten into a place and you're like, did, did, Did I hear you, Lord? Did I really see you there at the river? And you, you couldn't have had a more powerful spiritual experience than what John had with seeing the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove onto Jesus, and the voice of the Father speaking over him, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. But just a short time later, that tells me 
that it's not about the revival, river revival. That's not, the, the river revival didn't take John into a place of deep faith. It was when he finally ended up in the dungeon. And he just wanted an answer from God. God, did I... And we all do this. Well, where did I mess up? Can I tell you? You haven't. It's called faith. It's called trust. I think the most important answer we could have is when the enemy comes along because he is going to put circumstances and he is going to put people in your path to offend you. And by introducing that offense into your life, he's trying to pull you away from the truth of what God said about the situation is that when you trust him, you can trust him completely. When you put your hope and trust in Jesus, I came to tell you, he will never disappoint. And here's why. He is the light in the darkest place. He is the peace in the storm. He is my joy in the trouble. He is your strength when we are weak. The psalmist says this, Where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes right now in this moment. Because I've asked myself this question. And I think it's an important question. As I studied this Friday and began to prepare and started to head down this direction. Here's what I asked the Lord. And I think this is a very important question for us this morning. Because you may be in a season where God seems silent. You may be in a season where, God, I, I, don't, I, I don't feel your direction. I can't hear your voice of where you're leading me. So I asked the Lord, I said, God, even though you seem silent in this season that I'm in, and the things I've been crying out to you for, I haven't seen made manifest. So, Lord, I'm going to choose not to be offended at what I see. And, God, I have a question for you, and this is a question I want you to ask yourself. God, what are you saying about me? What, what report are you giving? Because I want to put myself in a place where I know that I know that I know that I'm even in the darkness, in the sewage-filled dungeon, with execution waiting at the end of that, that I can still keep my trust, my hope, my faith. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And in the moment here in just a second, God is going to pour His love out into your heart. God is going to pour His encouragement out into your soul. God is going to be the lifter of your head. When you find yourself in a dungeon, the most important thing is not to get offended at the circumstance or offended what's going on, but to continue to keep your eyes on Jesus this morning. So I wanted you to bow your head and close your eyes and ask that question of the Holy Spirit because He'll answer you. And I said, Lord... I just want to ask you very simply and very honestly. Help me make sure that my ways please you. Help me make sure that what I say lines up with what's in my heart. Lord, would you help me not to allow the enemy a foothold? Because God, I don't want my prayers to be hindered. 
I want there to be a, a powerful prayer life operating in my life. And the enemy will use circumstances and the enemy will use situations for us to grab hold of the fence and forget that God is watching everything. God is looking at our hearts, not our outer appearance. So, Father, in this moment that we're in right here, Lord, God, I ask that you search me in this church and know me. I, Father, when I can't hear you, I want there to be a voice in heaven saying, look at my son, look at my daughter. They're pleasing to me because even though they can't see it, they believe it. Even though it hasn't manifested yet, they're still in their heart trusting me. So, Father, in this moment that we're in right here, right now, God, we ask that you examine us. We ask that you search us. We ask that you reveal to us. And that, God, we choose today the blessing of trust over the ruination of offense. We choose the blessing of of not understanding everything all the time, Lord, but the blessing of understanding that, God, when you said you would never leave us and never forsake us this morning, Lord, we believe it. When you said that it's, it, Father, when, when they were in the upper room and Thomas said, I see and now I believe, help us be a people that don't see but yet still believe. Because, Lord, you said they are blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. Father, we declare today that we're believers in your goodness. We're believers in your conviction. We're believers in the path that you're leading each one of us down individually and the path you're leading this church down today. And God, we just say the simplest thing that we can say at the end of this service today. Father, we trust you. We trust you with our children. We trust you with our spouse. We trust you with our jobs. We trust you in this state. We trust you with this country. That God is the people of God become the people of God that rise up in this season with the light shining in our hearts and in our lives, that, God, you would continue to walk us down the path of where we shun what the enemy speaks and we lay hold of what God is speaking into and over our lives. Keep your head bowed and eye closed, and I want to ask this question. You may say, I've never come into that place of relationship and faith in Jesus. And let me tell you the best news that I could tell you as we began this service today, that He would save us from our sins. Sin is your problem this morning. If you haven't repented of it, or if you're walking in it by disobedience over and over and over again, then you've turned your back away from God. And God's calling you home this morning because you may even have walked away from God because something happened and you didn't understand it. God's just lovingly calling you home today. Is there anybody that says, I just want to put my faith in Him, repent of my sin, turn away from it, and make Him my Lord and my Savior? You see, you can't have, can't have it's not a buffet. If you're, going to make, if you're going to ask Him to forgive you, you've got to make Him Lord over your life, church. You have to give Him everything. But I'll tell you, He'll bless you, He'll keep you. So if there's anybody here who wants to commit their life to Christ, can I ask you to just shoot your hand up anywhere in this room? Anywhere in this room. Amen. Amen. Amen.
praise God. Look back this way. I'm going to bless you as we dismiss this morning. Heavenly Father, I bless Christian Center Church. Father, I pray they would be blessed going in and blessed going out. The Lord God, they would be blessed in their homes and they would be blessed in their workplaces. Father, I pray today especially for just a hedge of protection around this church and the people of this church, upon our families, upon our children, and our children's children. Father, I pray that this church would have their face turned towards them and that you would smile upon them and you would give them peace and favor and rest. Lord, I pray for the best day rest of rest that maybe they've ever had, Lord God. That we would rest in your presence, we would rest in your word, and that our trust would increase this day. Father, bless the rest of this day until you bring us back together at the appointed time. Because we love you, we praise you, and we trust you. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can go in the name of the Lord today and be blessed.